0: The Lord, open us to hear your words. Move in us to receive them and respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. It's the third Sunday of Advent, The Love Sunday. And what am I talking about? Fasting. During Advent, we've been talking about different spiritual disciplines. We did Lectio Divino last week, the slow, reflective reading of Scripture, pausing with a word or phrase that stands out to you. Next week, we'll do silence. But for today, it's fasting. Well... What does love, the love Sunday, have to do with fasting? Good question. Did you know that we can touch and feel love, i.e. the bridegroom who has been taken away, Jesus, when we do the spiritual discipline of fasting? Well, we can Jesus knew that when he was no longer with us in the flesh, we could fast and experience his presence that way. So how does fasting work? Fasting has us voluntarily give up food and drink except for water for a time. Fasting by design is a Power is a proxy for the power struggle between any preoccupation, need, or habit and the bridegroom. We might be too busy or distracted and can't or won't lay down our work or hobby. Even family, we don't lay down for a time. You might find ourselves spending hours going down rabbit holes on Google searches in a subject matter we are very interested in. It's a power struggle between serving our own desires versus spending time listening and attending to God's desires. Within 24 hours of doing a fast, our tongue might turn white, and we might start feeling agitated. Classic signs of toxins both physical and behavioral leaving us leaving our bodies we start seeing what's got a hold of us what's keeping us from intimacy with jesus and loving service in his name fasting is one of several deprivation spiritual disciplines which moves us from my will living to god's will Living. And the fruit? Greater intimacy with Jesus. Greater trust in Jesus. Greater strength in Jesus. Greater generosity in behalf of Jesus. Intimacy, trust, strength, generosity. The demonic could be I T S G. It's What could the G be? Good. It's good. Intimacy, trust, strength, generosity. There's a long history of fasting in Christianity and Judaism, but also in other religions in the world. It was so normal in the Jewish way of life that Jesus didn't have to mandate fasting. He just said, when you do it, don't put on such a sad face like the hypocrites do. Fasting has been used through the centuries to petition God and to repent of community sin. Since we can't practice the spiritual discipline right here, right now, like Canon Ross did last week with Lectio Divina, let's at least shut our eyes for a second and imagine a fast. Ask yourself what preoccupation need or habit is so built into our my life, so satisfying that I have little reason to bring Jesus into the picture. I'm good. I'm good. Imagine something that you really, really would rather not have to live without, even for two days. It might be the computer, coffee, food, correcting people, what thing if you deprived yourself of it for a couple of days would throw you off balance now imagine yourself voluntarily giving that up for a time for God where did your mind and emotions go just now For me, the deprivation that throws me off is definitely food. Two weeks ago, I decided to eat nothing or drink anything, not even hot water flavored with a decaf tea, nothing, nothing but water, from Tuesday evening at 6.30 until Thursday morning at 8 a.m., 38 hours. I was a little nervous. I had done juice fasts before, but I'd never given up every form of nutrition and drink and lived only on water for any amount of time. Doing a straight up, what's normal in the biblical fast, the most normal fast, was new to me. Would I get lightheaded and be unable to drive, I wondered. Would I get crabby and would my tongue turn white? I prayed Tuesday night that God would use the fast for his purposes, and that no motivations like me wanting to lose weight would contaminate the fast. Wednesday morning, I woke up and I noticed my stomach was not hurting. This is extremely unusual. I couldn't even sleep late in college unless I got up, had breakfast, and then I could go back to bed and sleep. My stomach tells me, it's morning, feed yourself. But this morning was different. My stomach was calm. I marveled at God and thanked him, then prayed that he'd be with me through the entirety of the fast come what may. I offered my whole self to him, then drank some water and went about my business. Morning snack time came and went. No snack, just water. Lunch came and went. No snack. No lunch, just water. At about one in the afternoon, I went into the chapel at our house. I wanted to spend time with God in listening prayer. I got comfortable in a chair and prayed, Here I am, Lord, speak to me through the music. Then I got up and plugged my cell phone, which has hundreds of songs on it, into my chapel sound system. Since I wanted God to pick the song that I would listen to, I pushed shuffle, went back to my chair, closed my eyes and waited. I noticed that I felt soft, open-apertured, like I had a heightened awareness, and openness to what would happen. Gentle, opening notes of a song started coming out of my speakers. The notes felt reassuring and kindled expectancy in me. A deep, resonant voice began to sing, measured and steady. Can you feel the pain he feels as the nails go through his hands, driving them in deeper, bloody red hands? A veil over my heart was pulled away, and a scene suddenly appeared in my mind. I saw a darkened sky with two fading streaks, one orange and one yellow. When I came back to noticing the music again, I heard, Oh, they're killing my Lord. Oh, oh, they're killing my Lord. And there in the foreground, at an angle to me, I saw Jesus on the cross. His breathing was shallow, barely audible. His head hung to one side. I started recognizing the voice that was singing, and I smiled inwardly at God. It was Michael Pritzel's voice singing, a song I was unfamiliar with from one of his albums. My mind drifted back to the stark, dark sky, then to Jesus on the cross. More lyrics drifted past my ears. By the power of God, day became as dark as night, the curtain torn in two, it is finished. And I realized for the first time I was taking in, really taking in, the crucifixion. The moment was holy and thunderously quiet. The song continued. Oh, they're killing my Lord. Oh, they're killing my Lord. As I kept staring at Jesus hanging there on the cross, I experienced a slow, Motion, conviction moved through me. My love offering to God of 38 hours of fasting was sweet indeed, but nothing, nothing compared to Jesus' love offering to his Father. Jesus loved his creation and humanity so much that he offered his body to be given over to the executioner so as to rescue creation and humanity out of darkness. This act of love was his gift to his father. Staring at Jesus dying on the cross in that vision, I thought, this is what, selfish lo- uh, what selfless love looks like. This is what trust looks like. This is what strength looks and selfless generosity looks like. Then, and it seemed random at the time, the Malachi quote about tithing came to mind. You know, the one that told the Jews to give a tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, to the Lord. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God wasn't asking the Jews to give up 100%. Just 10%. They could keep the rest. Sounds sort of like what we heard in the Deuteronomy passage. For the Jews wandered for 40 years, but their clothing did not wear out and their foot did not swell for 40 years. Followers of Jesus through the centuries have given way more than 10%. How much was I given? Mary, Jesus' mother, gave 100% when she said, To me, let it be as it pleases God. Paul, after his encounter with Jesus on the, Ro- on the Damascus Road, gave up everything. Comfort, food, shelter, a pain-free life. He volunteered for this. And he was constantly in danger and pain, but he was never crushed, never driven to despair. by Five- Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one, he wrote. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, and the horrible list goes on. Throughout all his trials, God's grace proved sufficient for him. Paul even exclaimed, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. His fasted lifestyle, if you will, brought the power of Christ upon him all the time. It sounds so trite by comparison, but the power of Christ rested upon me when he blocked my stomach from hurting and my head from dizziness during my brief fast. And when he gave me that vision in my head, Paul, in fact, discovered a settled peace when he made the decision to give 100% of his life, come what may. He wrote, I have learned to be content in every situation. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Mary sure needed that and depended on that strength when she saw Jesus, her son, dying on the cross. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Paul and the early Christians certainly manifested Christ in their bodies and birthed a church. And so too can we. We here today are each at different stages of manifesting Christ in our bodies, and that's okay. We're each part of a unique, patient, custom story arc which God is walking us through. Remember the four stages, intimacy, trust, strength, and generosity? Some of us are at the intimacy stage. A friend told me that after a couple of days of fasting, she actually heard God speak her name twice during the worship song, I Surrender. I think something in her surrender to the love of God. And she heard that intimate whisper. Some of us are at the trust stage. We're seriously asking ourselves, will I test God in this? Will I give 10% of my life, of the produce of my life, will I give more? Some of us here are at the strength stage, finding the power of Christ on us to go out and love and serve the Lord. Finally, some of us are at the generosity stage. Like Brian Bywater in our diocese, he brings hope to the homeless, the Broken and the Lost in Hartford, Connecticut through the street church which meets outside in all weather in front of Hartford City Hall. When he's weak, he experiences God giving him the grace and power to minister anyway. In years of doing spiritual direction with a variety of people, I've noticed that God always moves us in gentle increments to the more. The more we could be, the more we could do. Test me in this, he seems to say to us. Do a trust fall, I'll catch you. In fasting, We voluntarily do a trust fall into God's care, and there we encounter Jesus. These spiritual disciplines, these trust falls into his ever-waiting arms build intimacy, build trust, build strength in the power of Christ, and build generosity. And all of that together, yes, manifests love. Let's pray. Oh God, on this Advent Sunday of love, attune our hearts, minds, and souls to your movement and invitations in our lives. Help us to see and respond to what you shall